faithfully follow our favourite stars with something like a hysteria. We long for the glamorous life of the chorus girls and principal actresses, for a life that offers more than petticoats to mend and bootlaces to iron and steps to scrub. But I don't just want to escape a life of drudgery. I want to soar. So I care for this restless fluttering in my heart, as if it were a bird with a broken wing, in the hope that it will one day heal and fly. I jump at the sound of a sharp rap on the window beside me. I turn around to see a hard-faced gentleman scowling at me from inside the shop, mean-looking eyes glowering behind black-rimmed spectacles. He says something. I can't hear, and flaps his hands, shooing me away as if I were a dog salivating outside the butcher's shop. I stick my tongue out at him and leave the doorway, hurrying along, hopping over puddles, my toes drowning like unwanted kittens inside my sodden stockings. I pass bicycle shops and tobacconists, wine merchants, drapers and milliners, the rain falling in great curtains around me as I catch my reflection in the shop windows. Straggly curls hang limply beneath my cloche. All my efforts, with curling irons and spirit lamps ruined by the rain. My new cotton stockings are splashed with dirt and sag at my ankles like folds of pastry. The rubber bands I've used as makeshift garter rolls clearly not up to the job. My borrowed coat is two sizes too big. My third-hand shoes squeak an apology for their shabby existence with every step. Piggy Griffin was right. I am an unpunctual, untidy girl. A girl who will never get on in life. I dodge newspaper vendors and sidestep a huddle of gentlemen in bowler hats as tram cars and motor cars rattle along the road beside me, clanging their bells and tooting their horns. Cries of the street sellers and the pounding of hooves of a dray horse add to the jumble of noise. My stomach tumbles like a butter churn, excited and terrified by the prospect of my new position as a maid at the Savoy Hotel. The Savoy. I like the sound of it. With my head bent down against the slanting rain, I take the final turn down Carting Lane, where I collide spectacularly with a gentleman hurrying in the opposite direction. I stagger backward, dropping my travel bag as he takes a dramatic tumble to the ground. It reminds me of a scene from a Buster Keaton picture. I clap my hand over my mouth to stop myself laughing. I'm so sorry. Are you all right? I raise my voice above the noise of the rain and the hiss of motor car tyres through puddles. My fault. I wasn't looking where I was going. Dozens of sheets of paper are scattered around him, plastered to the sodden street like a child's hopscotch markings. He attempts to stand up, slipping and sliding on the wet paving stones. I offer my hand and an arm for him to balance on. He grasps hold of both, and I pull him upright. 
He is surprisingly tall when he's vertical, and handsome. Rusted stubble peppers his chin. His lips are crowned with a slim, sandy moustache, a shade lighter than his russet hair, the colour of fox fur. I really want to touch it and clench my fists to make sure I don't. Are you hurt? I ask, bending down to pick up his pages. I don't think so. He shakes water from his coat like a dog just out of the sea and stoops to join me, scrabbling at the edges of the paper stuck to the pavement. Feel like a damn fool, though. Are you hurt? That was quite a collision. He speaks like the man from the Pathé newsreels at the Picture Palace, all la-di-da and lovely. I check myself over. I've a ladder in my stocking, but nothing that a needle and thread won't fix.